Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? Hey, hey David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. A little unhappy, but... Upset yeah. the Oilers went out a 3-2 lead against the Lightning in Tampa. Going into the third, came away with nothing. Had a 3-2 lead in Edmonton against Tampa. Going into the third, came away with nothing. Yeah. Like, at least got a point, you know. If you give up a tying goal, don't. Yeah, it was very. It was a very, very frustrating third period, obviously. Awesome. And the owners didn't, you know, it, as much as they outshot Tampa this game, they kind of deserved to lose. And I think, and we'll get into that. We'll get into how weird that is. Even though I, I say that, Bruce, even though, okay, the grade A shots were 31 for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've only seen 30 grade A shots in all the years we've been doing this, like less than five times. And so 31 for the Oilers and Tampa Bay had just 14. The Oilers mm-hmm. had 16 five-alarm shots. That's the subset of the most dangerous chances that go in 33% of the time. And Tampa just had seven of those. When we work that out, so the so the remaining grade A shots that aren't five-alarm shots go in about 20% of the time on average. Um, if they're just grade A shots in total, it's about 25%. But um, so the expected goals for the Oilers was, according to our count, 8.28 goals were expected on that number of grade A shots. 8.28 goals. It's enough to win two games. Yeah. And uh, Tampa's was 3.22. So there was a difference, obviously, in goaltending, Bruce, tonight. There was a big difference in goaltending. Vasilevsky, Andre Vasilevsky, put on a virtuoso, absolutely brilliant clinic in that mm-hmm. minding. And um, it was fantastic. He was just oh, so yeah. brilliant. Oh, he was great. Yeah. I, I was almost tempted to name him my good thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean. Not, yeah. So what is your, well, such this is a, our two good things, thing. two bad yeah. things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. What's your good thing, Bruce? Right. Okay. Um, my good thing is uh, the orders come back in the in middle frame, and specifically the power play goal that tied it to two. Yes. And uh, this was the power play. This is the one that McDavid scored uh, from directly in front. But it was at the end of a, a, a absolutely tremendous, uh, I think it was a 50-second power play in which the Oilers generated four five-alarm shots in a row. One at 13.05 from, um, from McDavid right in front. Uh, uh, set up by Drysidle, another, another one three seconds later from Drysidle, set up by McDavid, another one 15 seconds later from Drysidle, set up by McDavid. On two of the three, you you noted in the margins of our scoring chance document, how did he not score? Like, it seemed like it was a sure goal, and somehow Vasilevsky came up with, I mean, one of them was a, a um, one of the dry shot sidle shots was a uh, executioner's shot, and he just yeah. fired it on net. And somehow, Vazzy got over there, and the the McDavid one was from like six feet right in front of the net, and he did not miss. And then finally, he, you know, 
they had sort of a 50-50 puck off the face-off, and uh, uh, they uh, uh, chipped, um, uh, Sergachev tried to chip the puck out of danger, and he basically chipped it right in front of the net to uh, uh, McDave, and he just kind of whacked it in before uh, uh, Vasilevsky could get even ready for the shot. And, you know, So the goal itself was actually probably the least dangerous of the four five alarm chances that they generated in 25 seconds. But that goal was, uh, you know, it was this relentless high end pressure, uh, you know, and creating, it wasn't just, they had the puck in the zone and we're passing it around. They were generating very dangerous shots on net and, uh, uh, finally earned the tying goal. And this was a game where the Oilers had 14 shots on net in the power play in, uh, uh, just under six minutes, their power play generated 14 shots and two goals. It was cooking, and it almost mm-hmm. won them the game, Bruce. And, yeah, they finally got a bounce on that McDavid goal right off the faceoff. Like, it, they hadn't been getting any kind of puck luck to speak of. But um, that was just a really, really uh, fortunate bounce right out of McDavid's stick, and he's kind of just slammed it home. And it caught Vasilevsky off guard. Yeah, the the first shot for McDavid that he saved was a nice pass from Drysaddle, and I just couldn't believe it wasn't in. He just he just nailed it, mm-hmm. and Vasilevsky made a nice. He got his arm up and stopped that shot. What a goalie! He's an incredible goalie. Uh, at least it wasn't their backup yeah. goalie. Bruce, this could be worse. This could have been their uh, backup goalie called up from the farm that we've seen so often beat the Oilers. So this, at least they were beat by the best goalie in the world tonight. And that's going to happen. One of the very, very best for sure. And he showed tonight, you know, how often do you see a game where a goalie gives in four goals and he's named first star. And meanwhile, a guy scores four goals and he's only the second star. And you know what? They got it right. (laughs) They did get it right. And so that wasn't just a Homer call either. That was without, without Vasilevsky, like this is like eight, to five or ten to five or something. Oh, the orders just yeah, they just poured it on in the second mm-hmm. period. They just kept coming and play they were yeah. playing great hockey, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh that line of um Dreisaitl, Janmark, and Fogel, I was really <laughs> impressed with. I mean, they had a mm-hmm. few defensive breakdowns as the game went along, but they really were flying out there on the attack and looked like they had some real chemistry. So um Although it did, this game did seem to me like the coach was fiddling around with the lines a little bit more than usual, Bruce. I, I might be mistaken about that, but it seemed like there was a bit more of that going on, which I don't necessarily love. Um, my good thing, it's the the orders are down 2 nothing. They've had a pretty rough first period where they've actually um, outplayed Tampa Bay and deserve probably to, to lead, uh, you know, maybe one nothing, But... Um, it's not to be, and uh, but the uh, and then Tampa Bay, who have a, a very strong power play, not surprising with people like Stamkos and Kucherov and Point, <clears throat> they come out there for their power play, and it's just a fantastic play by the Oilers. I think uh, in the defensive end, it starts off with Derek Ryan tipping the puck, tipping a pass. Uh, it looked like it might be a battle one. Anyway, he does pick up the puck in the Oilers zone after, after it's lost by Tampa Bay. And um, Ryan then makes a very nice initial pass out of the zone to Nugent Hopkins, who then proceeds to make a even better pass uh, 
through the center of the ice to a breaking Darnell Nurse, who has made an even better play by recognizing the situation and joining the rush. And he's shown some remarkable good judgment uh, in recent games about when to join the rush and when not to join the rush, is what I would say about Nurse. And then Nurse tops it all off by making an absolutely spectacular strike on net where he puts it against the grain on the goal. He's going one way and he kind of shoots it back the other direction and, and beats Vasilevsky, which is the only way you're going to beat that guy with a very sneaky, tricky, brilliant shot, which is what Darnell Nurse executed. So I thought Darnell Nurse was strong all game long, Bruce. I mean, he was um, a culprit on one of the goals against, you know, it was a, it was a fast, difficult play though for him on that one. So um I think he might have been, he was one of the best Oilers. There was lots of Oilers though who played well. It's a very, this is going to be a difficult game for Kurt Levins to grade yeah. because uh, so many Oilers, in many ways, this was a dominant Oilers performance. And the difference, frankly, was goaltending. And um, so how, you know, Kurt, if you give it a lot of high marks, people are going to say, how can you give out so many high marks in a low game? Well, you do that by grading the process of the game, um, not by, and understanding, you know, on the the bad plays that did happen against your team, who's at fault on them? It's not everybody. So, and we'll get into that now with our bad things, which we'll do two of each. Bruce, what's your first bad? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with that four, three goal in the third period where Tampa has, you know, against the flow of play, uh, they've scored a tying goal and it was just, you know, a, a terrific play by Stamkos to, whack that puck out of the air and somehow get it right in the side, the short side post. And it's just one of those things. And it's three to three. And, and uh, the Oilers were pushing, pushing a little bit too hard. I thought And this league, you gotta, you know, you gotta play the percentages. Kill the you know, game. Kill, the in some, to some extent, kill the game. Anyway, the, there was one rush earlier where, Cody Cece, who hasn't scored a goal in like 150 games or something now, and he's like five feet in front of the Tampa net trying to score, and the puck gets behind him, and Kucherov goes down on it. I think it was a two-on-one. They didn't score that time, thankfully. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Like, you know, stay within yourselves. So anyway, it's 3-3 with like seven minutes left, and you know the next one's going to be going to be the decider. And... and uh, uh, Sergachev checked the puck off a dry settle in the, in the uh, Tampa Bay zone, uh, but they break out of the zone and it's more or less a routine rush. And Kucherov, who frankly did not have a good game, uh, came up the. He didn't. He, he he was very unnoticeable for most of this game, and but he came up the middle of the ice like uh, against Cody Cece one on one. And CC seemed to be in good position, except for two little tiny problems. He never touched Kucherov, and he never touched the puck. And Kucherov just kind of slithered around him and uh, and uh, got the puck in behind him. And CC still didn't like engage his stick or do any of the things you know defensemen need to do. And then Stu Skinner, with you know Kucherov reaching for a puck that he's never going to possibly be able to shoot decides down on his knees that he's going to flick his stick out and try and check the puck away. And at that moment, Kucherov tucks his puck under Skinner's stick right through the knees, which are no longer have a stick in front of him. 
right? You just stay there and you have your stick on the ice and that shot has absolutely nowhere to go. So I thought that was miserably played by both CC and Skinner. And all of a sudden it's four or three Tampa and yeah, I know the rest. Yeah. I mean, it was a good play by Kucherov, but it was, oh, I yeah. mean, the, the Tampa announcer said that, that was about the only thing he did all night. So, well, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Leon, I mean, Leon gives over the puck and Yanmark had a chance at that point too, to, to slow down that rush and he lost the battle. Uh, you'll have to look at it again. I thought they were significant errors but maybe they're more minor errors although it is an offensive zone turnover leading to a rush against and then mm-hmm. Janmark can oh, shut it down checked. he doesn't he did he's he's yeah. taking the puck in and he puck puck off his stick checked off his stick yeah. <sighs> anyway cc you're right but really it's all to me it's like it's, it, and this is the difference between skinner and vasilevsky and i'm going to get to it on um on the uh, the tying goal the third goal from tampa Skinner's decision making um, and his his play, knocking down passes, and um, mm-hmm. cutting out passes, and um, knowing when to move, when not to move, is not at the nearly the same level as Vasilevsky's. And that's you know Vasilevsky all game long, Bruce was cutting out passes and poke checking the puck at the right moment off of players trying to cut through the slot. He was out guessing them, out thinking them, and out playing them with stick play. You know, outside of the making saves, the, sh- the shot blocking, he was taking away chances and taking away uh, scoring opportunities, taking away shots. Um, he took out Hyman on a breakaway once by stick play. And yeah. here's Skinner, same opportunity to do the same thing. Check and what does he do? David, too. Totally blows it. He just blew it. And and it was a really rough goal against. Um, I'll, I'll just go to the... Th- um, this is kind of out of chronological order, but the third goal, because I think the same thing happened on that play. It's it's pretty much a nothing play behind the net. Um, there's two Oilers uh, down low defending two players, and Leon's coming down to help. And suddenly there's a pass out front of the net, and it goes right through the crease, right through Skinner's crease. And he does he fails to block it out. He gets a piece of it, so the, so now it doesn't go to who it's expected to go to. Connor Brown's covering that player, but it goes to um, to the other side to to uh, I can't remember who got the shot. I think a point man moving in got a shot on net, and then uh, Stamkos put in the rebound. So again, if Skinner makes that play, or Leon's able to cut that pass out before it happens, react to it a little quicker. There's no play. There's no goal. Um, there's no initial shot. So there's no rebound. So there's no opportunity for Stamkos to make his brilliant play and score. And that failure to cut out that initial pass from behind the net, which which mm-hmm. was just, I just feel it was like, you could say it's one of those things that happen, but it's it's one of those things you, you, you can't have happen. A pass, a clear pass like that into mm-hmm. the slot. You shouldn't have that happen. And mm-hmm. it did. And that's why uh, they got that goal. Yeah. Yeah, well, you talk about Skinner's work with his stick. And, I mean, it, we mentioned on both the two goals that we just discussed, the missed uh, inability to cut out the pass and then the mistimed attempt to make a poke check, which wound up going right through him and into the net. Well, here's a stat for you from tonight's game. Uh, giveaways. 
Most on either team, four by Stuart Skinner. Vasilevsky, none. Mind you, Vasilevsky didn't have that many chances to handle the puck. Only about a thousand. <laughs> We're not happy with Stu Skinner tonight, Bruce. We are uh, not well, with Stu no, Skinner. I'm not. I'm not. I, th- I think the <laughs> I think the I think the big performance at the other end psyched him out, and that's just a, that's just a, a wild ass guess on my part. But I think he heaped pressure on himself, seeing all those saves happening at the other end, and he just did not rise to the occasion. You know, that's not a bad thought, actually, in the third period, because he just he just wasn't. I just had a bad feeling going into the third. I mean, with these Mm -hmm. Oilers, let's face it, ever since the Anaheim game years ago, six, seven years ago, when they gave up, what was it, three, four goals in the last two or three minutes? Three, six on five goals in the last four minutes. I've just never had confidence in the Oilers to shut down a game. It's always haunted me. And there's been so many other games like that. There was there was years where one of the big problems with the Oilers losing was they couldn't shut down other teams in the third period. And it still comes back to haunt them right now. Their game management sometimes isn't great, and sometimes their goaltending isn't great. And tonight it was a little bit of both. Um, I think there was more urgency was needed on that particular play, the, the tying goal. Um, to yeah. to stop that stop that play from happening. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it just was a little bit lackadaisical the whole scene, and that's why it went in. Bruce, your second bad thing is I'm gonna go with the five three, uh, and this is what stands up to be the game winning goal, yeah. and really third goal of of pretty ugly uh, from a defensive point of view on on all of them. And this one was more ugly from a goaltending point of view. It's an elite sniper, I will grant you, but he's like officially 49 feet from the net, way out just inside the blue line. And he flat out clean beat Stu Skinner with a wrist shot. And that just has to be stopped. Yeah. I don't have any other comment than what you <laughs> I don't know. either. There's nothing else to say about thing. that. Nothing else to say. I mean, you could say Evan Bouchard. Okay, I do have something else. You could say Evan Bouchard could have been a little bit more aggressive on the shot, got a little closer to him and um, disallowed the shot. But it is quite an outside shot. So, um, yeah, just stop the puck. Okay, my um, bad thing is the order's start to the game. And um, it's going to start with Leon's penalty. I didn't love it. Um, Just take the body, you know. You're a bigger guy than him and then you're sticking your stick in there between his legs against the number the NHL's number one con artist flopper uh Kucherov what do you think is gonna happen and it happened they get a power play an early power play so that starts off the sequence of pain and then it continues with Derek Ryan breaking a stick on the face off and it's an interesting question what to do on a five on four power play if you break your stick you know, should you go to the bench? And I often think, yeah, you should go to the bench. You know, take that chance and go to the bench and get get a stick. That's the smart play. I sometimes wonder if that's a smart play. But tonight, that's exactly what Ryan did. And it's one of the rare times that it happened. It was just so enticing. You know, the, he was so close to that stick. But when he went out to get that stick, suddenly it was a five on three with Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, passing that puck around. I think it was those three. And those are three guys you do not want to allow any kind of five-on-three action. Because if Ryan hadn't gone out, he might have been able mm-hmm. to cut out that pass. 
or Nugent Hopkins might have been in a different position to cut it out. It, right. it, 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 there probably wouldn't have been a goal if mm-hmm. Derek Ryan, Ryan had had stayed in the play. Now, there might have been a goal yeah. 10 or 15 or 20 seconds later because those guys can also cut you to pieces if you don't have a hockey stick. But um, he went out there, he got the stick, and they just passed it around, and they scored a beautiful goal. Uh, it, you know, it, it kind of went into the slot, bounced a little bit, and uh, Stamkos put it home. That was a really tough play and uh, got off on the wrong foot this game. Yeah, Ryan, he didn't go very far out of his way, you know, because he was on the left-wing boards and the very end of the bench closest to him had the stick, like, sticking way out over the boards. He had to go about 15 feet to get it and another 15 feet back, but it was too much. And it was just opened up the, the lane for, you know, a couple seconds. But... Shazam. A bridge too net. far. Yeah. Yeah. It was not uh, quite the, uh, uh, he made a bad error in the game at Tampa Bay on a bad line change, which was hard to accept. This one I accept, you know, he took a chance. It didn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. Hard to cut out a pass without a stick, man. It is. So, and it wasn't Especially like the second period. Guys. It wasn't the yeah. second period, and the bench wasn't a thousand feet away. It was right there. He uh, took a risk and got burned. What's your number, Bruce? Yeah. Uh, well, I think I have to go with the new number, which is just cropped up on uh, NHL.com. Uh, 57, which is now the official shots on net by Edmonton in this game, to 24. And I do believe they were saying that is a club record. That had been 56. So the Oilers set a club record tonight by peppering Andre Vasilevsky with 57 shots, uh, including 19 to 10 in the third period that the Oilers lost 5 1. They did. They did, uh, they did score for the goal. Too, right? Like that's enough to win. They a got game. four goals. Yeah, they got enough goals to win this game. You know, yeah. even if you're not calculating expected goals. And oh, by the way, uh, Natural Stat Trick had a 6.36 expected goals for Edmonton, 2.1 for Tampa. So triple. Tampa should have got about two goals based on their shots, and they got five plus, of course, the empty netters, which we won't Four. blame Skinner oh. for them. But, oh, yeah, five uh, plus, you're right, five. Two, five. two empty netters. Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with Knobloch. After they made it 5-4, like pulling Skinner right off the face-off when there's still two and a half minutes left and you only need one goal, maybe... Uh, I, I, I disagree a little bit there. You would pull him immediately off the face yeah. off and just keep going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that the, haven't the hockey oh. analytics people looked at this and just about the need to pull your goalie early, get him off the ice and try yes. to win. Yeah, I'm okay with yeah. it. Like which, well, which face off you're early. saying, did the Oilers have the center ice off? face off right off, of, right after the goal and, and Skinner went right back off within seconds. I'm okay with it. I just think oh. you, you, you got to go for it. So um, go for it. Uh, my number is seventeen. Yeah. Eight 17. seconds and he was gone. 17 is my number, Bruce. Um, that is the number of major contributions to grade A shots from Connor McDavid tonight. Um seven at even strength and 10 on the power play. He was, he was 
attacking like a madman. And he was unlucky not to have three or four or five points tonight. He ended up with two. That's how it, that's how the cookie crumbles. I mean, they just they kept they just kept firing away, grinding away. And you know what? They scored enough to win. Going into the period, third period, three two, they should have won. Um, and they just they just couldn't come up with the defensive intensity to win this game yeah, and the goal tended to, win, to win this game. So um, in that way, they deserve to lose it. Even with that shot count, they deserve to lose this game. Bruce? Conundrum. Yeah. Or did you do, have you, what was your number again? 57. 57. Oh, okay. That was your number. The number of shots. So. Uh, all right. Bruce, the conundrum is Sunday's game. Who should start in net? Calvin Pickard, who had a pretty solid darn tootin' game last game, or Stuart Skinner, who really didn't. Right. Um, who do you think should start and who do you think will start? Because <laughs> it's often yeah. two different things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, Pickard, he played already Florida once this year, right? and he lost, uh, Oilers lost that game 5-3 with an empty netter. Yeah. Seems like every game they lose, they give up an empty netter. Tonight, two of them. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, four or three, and he had one kind of not good goal, and otherwise he had a pretty strong game, I thought. And uh, Skinner, like they asked Knobloch after tonight's game, was Skinner tired? And I'm thinking, well, geez, Pickard played Sunday. He had Sunday off. He played Tuesday, and he faced like nine shots in the last two periods. He shouldn't be too tired from playing that one game. Yeah. So I don't think tired is the reason, but Sunday, may, you know, this Saturday coming up, that would be three in a row. And maybe that's the time to do the switcheroo. I mean, I'm sure they're thinking we have a three-game road trip and Skinner will start two of them and, and um, Pickard will start one of the back-to-back. Do we want to give them two each? Because there's only four four left now before Christmas. Do we want to give them two each or do we want to give three and one? Well, I'm almost sort of leaning to two each at this moment in time, but uh, I suspect the coach will, will uh, throw down the gauntlet and say, you know, we're going to give you a chance to uh, make that game an unhappy memory in the past tense by giving you a chance to go out and win this game. That's what I think will happen. And what I would do would be I would mull it over for about 47 hours and 58 minutes before next game starts. <laughs> I suspect they will go a skin or two for that mm-hmm. reason to give them a chance. Did you notice this? Like, Bruce, I'm not a, I don't know anything about goaltending uh but i did notice this that skinner seemed to be falling forward a lot even when he was making saves and he was he when he's off and it it maybe okay am i just right am i wrong about this or have you noticed this too and there's a tendency when he's off that he starts falling forward as Mm -hmm. as opposed to being kind of steady and solid in the net upright square Mm -hmm. to the shot and not falling forward all the time Maybe it has to do with certain kinds of shots that he, he falls forward on, like there's a cross-ice pass. So he, but he, that's what I noticed, him falling forward, and it was just like kind of freaking me out a little bit. That two-on-one I mentioned earlier where CC got caught deep in the zone and the yeah. two guys got behind him. On that one, uh, the pass was made. I think it was Kucherov who shot it, and Skinner came over, and he just kind of fell, almost fell on his face, and Kucherov tried to beat him upstairs and put it over the crossbar. And so I guess he was successful, but it sure was not uh, by the book in any way, shape, or form. 
On the it other hand, you know, he used to fall forward all the time, Dominic Hasek. Well, there and you what go. What he used to do was fall forward and cut down the angle to the top of the net because he was coming towards the puck. Oh, I see. But he also had, you know, he was a wizard of the net mining profession. That uh, <laughs> he was an acrobatic goalie, whereas Skinner's more like play the odds, yes. cut down the angles, like get yeah. in front of the shot, make the first save, and yeah. Anyway, it's just it would be interesting to talk to someone. Uh, yeah who knows goaltending better than you or I do and who really knows it inside out to to talk about that and understand Mm -hmm. that because it's something that that I don't know about. And it just, it strikes me as often when he looks, when he looks, starts looking right Skinner, that's a tendency. So that's what I'll say that I've noticed. Right. Well, the bottom line here is that when you outshoot the other guys by 33, you don't expect to lose by three. (laughs) You do not. You do not. I, I'd like them to go. I think, well, what do I think? I don't know. You can see the argument for uh, going with Pickard or Skinner because he mm-hmm. is your main guy and you do mm-hmm. want to give him the ball and say, okay, show us. You show yeah. us. And, and he really has played well enough in recent, in recent games. He's this been good first, up until tonight. He's, he's been good. So it's like, okay, there was some kinks in your game here. Work those out. You show us that, you know, you're ready for the next mm-hmm. game. And it is two days rest, is it not? Like it's nope. Friday. It's Saturday. Saturday. Oh, it's, they play Saturday, not Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. And then they, then they have two days off after that as they fly down east. And they play next week, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, three and four days. So, you know, Pickard will start one of those. Likely the game at New Jersey, which is the team that he beat. Well, Skinner wasn't... He, wasn't an easy night. I mean, he had 14 grade A shots. That's the season average pretty much for the Oilers. How much, although in this, in this hot run, they've been giving up 10 a game, not 14. So um, it's more the traffic or it's more shots than he's been getting and more difficult shots that he's Mm -hmm. been getting it. Well, I mean, I I mean, we did have a, you know, our account was the expected goals was I think three point, what did I say? 3.22 against for, uh, expected against the Oilers tonight. So that was a pretty heavy night uh, for him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I the coach, uh, well, oh, he's got to get it right. It's his job on the line. Yep. It's not ours. <laughs> Leave it yeah, to him. he was pretty upbeat. I was hearing his post-game comments, and he said we did a lot more right than wrong. That's correct. He doesn't agree with you that they deserve to lose. Uh, oh, but well. he also was a little sympathetic towards Skinner and saying, you know, it wasn't his night, but... Uh, you know, he's been good for us and he came up with a big stop late in the second, which is true to keep the game three to two in the late going of the second period, but they he, just he did. could not, uh, and early not, in the third, uh, he came up with a big stop too. Huge save. I have, it was 16, uh, Derek Ryan was late on a, on a back check and, um, was it? Asimov, who moved into the slot, someone moved into the slot, took a really on a three on two and took a really wicked slot shot about three and a half minutes into the third period. And Skinner made a big save. And that was Asimont. Yeah, Asimont. That was uh, one moment that I thought, oh, well, maybe maybe they are going to do this because he hadn't looked right in the net to me, um, but he did look good on that shot. So, but not to be, you know, and the coach, Bruce. The coach has a different job than we have. I mean, our job is we're fans and we're, we we sit here and we talk like fans talk. And we, yep. we're we not trying to um, 
manipulate the players. We're not trying to build them up or tear them down psychologically. We don't expect them to listen to this and we don't expect them. We don't, you know, it's not our job to, to motivate them in any way. It's the coach's job and his comments to carefully pick his words with the thought mm -hmm. of future performance in mind. And I don't expect him to be honest. I don't, and it's not his job to be, to be anything except thinking about what are the comments that he can make in that moment that will help his team win the next game. So if he's building up Skinner and building up the team, I don't mind that at all. I don't take it as what he really mm -hmm. thinks. Right. If he was to sit there in the, in the watching mm -hmm. the video with the other coaches and they were talking about, okay, what happened technically on that play? What was the breakdown? Who mm -hmm. made the mistake? You'd hear something else, but he's he's putting out a message to the players every time he talks and a message to the fans on some level as well but mainly to the players that's who he's talking to so he's got to be cagey and wise and motivating in his commentary where what we're supposed to do is just to tell it as we see it uh while being as fair and accurate as possible yeah, well, they also asked him about Drysaddle and where where he should be playing, and he said that tonight in this game, he said the line he liked the line with Fogel and Yanmar with Drysaddle. He thought they uh, they outplayed the other guys. He thought they created plenty, and he said this was one of those games. He says if you look at the plus minus sheet at the end of the game, it just doesn't square with the with the way the play was going or words to that effect and in fact the orders had 16 minus players and two that broke even and they lost the five on five portion of this game for nothing i couldn't even score one five on five goal in this game but that line they had eight to three in shots they had six to two in high danger chances and zero to one in goals they couldn't get one past uh that's Vasilevsky right and a, a of the three shots they allowed, one of them went in the net. We had them that line creating seven grade A shots between the, those three players. Yeah. I just they yeah. just were Same coming close staff, to scoring, huh? and and I really like that line. I mean, Janmark is is uh, so good. He's very good with the puck, creating mm -hmm. with the puck, and he's smart defensively. Fogel is a hardworking guy who goes to the net and can stick handle, and is getting he's getting better on the attack. His his skill level seems to be rising, and and Leon Drysaddle is one of the NHL's best players. And I just thought that that line looked way better than Drysaddle looked with Kane and Brown. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, who are who aren't the defensive players at this point that Janmark and Fogel are. So I like that. I like that group of players. And I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons they had so many grade A shots this game was because they had the second line going as well. And uh, it was the McLeod line now with Brown and Kane that was kind of lagging, I thought, and not not that effective. Kane and Brown aren't really that effective right now um, in this little stretch of play. Although Brown was, I thought Brown was coming on a little bit in this game. He seemed to be moving better, is what I would say. Sure gets a lot of, sure gets a lot of heat. Uh, which anyway, we've talked about that before, so we won't talk. Ryan about McLeod that. was the one forward who didn't generate a single shot on net. I didn't on like his night. game. The Oilers have fifty-seven. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was not. Uh, let's see. He he didn't get. He was just kind of a a, a nothing player. Like according to our work, he mm -hmm. he didn't create any grade A shots, and he made a mistake on one against. So he wasn't yeah. terrible defensively. But he was a culprit on the the, the uh, second goal against where um, he didn't 
cover anyone in front of the net. He didn't win any battles. And he was part of the kind of, that was another, there was some lackadaisical play on that, on that goal as well, a lack of intensity and it, and it cost them on the second goal of the game. Final comments. Well, you're not going to see too many games like that. I don't want to see too many more. That was very, very frustrating. Even as the Oilers came back and seemed to take command of it, their their ability to to uh, close it out was just as dreadful in Edmonton as it had been in Tampa Bay. And this is twice they've scored four goals on that team and come away with nothing. And it just, you know, it's like they didn't learn a thing from the game in Tampa last month. And that's frustrating. Yeah. And credit to Tampa. Obviously, they're a great team with a great history. But right now, they're on the way down, and Edmonton's on the way up. You shouldn't let that happen twice. Indeed. Hedman didn't play, eh? No. They were missing their top defenseman. Yeah. The game in Tampa, Vasilevsky didn't play. They were missing their top goalie. Ish. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> they missed Hedman tonight. They uh, did. Sure they sure covered, did. Covered sure. off for a few mistakes. Yeah. So, so we can enjoy that. We saw one of the, you know, the great goalies of the world put on a show, right? If this was Trechak, we'd all be raving about him, right? So. Yes. So. <laughs> Just hope he never does that against Team Canada. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.